Praise God. Well, um, talking about Stockport, heard some great reports from your um, cake competition um, at Easter. Um, yeah, who was the winner of that cake competition? It was Leah. It was Leah. Well done, Leah. Congratulations. Um, here in Central, there was a bouncy castle. Now, I mention this because I was particularly disappointed um, that I wasn't able to be here. I like planned this bouncy <laughs> castle um, for Central's meeting. Uh, and we had an amazing pop-up kind of acting, you know, there was a drama. Yeah, and um, I watched online, and um, I have to say that Doris was sensational. Um, <laughs> in, her, in her gasping and falling on the floor with amazement, as, as the leader of the women at the tomb, she did a great job convincing us of her surprise at the resurrection. Um, but I was, I was gutted because I'd been planning this. I'd been planning this service and, and, and working towards it and had all these ideas. And then suddenly along comes the dreaded COVID and all plans change. In fact, um, those of you from Central know, I was sure that after a few days, because I even thought at the start, well, I'll probably test negative before Easter Sunday. That didn't happen. And then all the following week, I kept testing positive. And then even on the Sunday morning, the following week, which I was sure, I mean, I'd prepared to preach. I was all ready to go. And, and yet again, a positive light. It was really, really faint, but Coffo wouldn't let me come. <laughs> So sometimes, as many of us have discovered over the last couple of years, I mean, nothing has made us more aware of how much plans can change um, than COVID, right? Everything is just like, you've got this big dream holiday plan, suddenly, boom, it's gone, COVID. Or you've been building up to, so people had weddings that they'd been planning, suddenly all the plans changed. And some of those you know, me not being able to come and sneak a go on the Bounty Castle um, probably wasn't the biggest devastation in my life. Um, but actually, some of, those, some of those changes of plans that some people have been through over the last um, couple of years have been quite traumatic. Yeah, sometimes plans change. And when things don't happen the way that we were hoping, the following weekend, I was supposed to go um, with Judith and the kids. The two older ones were back from university. We were all supposed to go to Whitby together to Judith's mom's. And suddenly they all went and I stayed at home. <laughs> you know, I was quite gutted about that. I do like my mother-in-law. Um, I love you, Lillian. Um, she will be watching. And I'm going to see her tomorrow, so... <laughs> Love you. Um, plans can change for all kinds of reasons, can't they? In 2 Corinthians, um, Paul, the great apostle, the man who surely just knows what is right to do on every occasion, always, you know, in the spirit, listening to God, even the mighty Paul has plans that get changed. Um, you know, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul um, writes to the church in Corinth and he basically tells them that they're getting quite a lot of stuff wrong. Um, there's quite a lot of nonsense going on in the church in Corinth and Paul has to deal with all kinds of different problems. And, and then he makes this visit to them and originally he's planned that he'll visit them twice. He'll visit them on the way somewhere and he'll visit them on the way back from somewhere. Um, and 
But in, on this first visit, it's, uh, he refers back to it later as a painful visit. He has this really difficult visit to the church in Corinth. And then for various reasons, basically, he changes his plans and he doesn't go back to Corinth at the time that he originally planned. So it's like he must have told everyone because people have picked up on this. And they're now starting to say, well, Paul, he just like, he's fickle. He just like changes his mind. I don't know if he like, if he like put it out there. Because sometimes as church leaders, maybe we make this mistake slightly. Maybe we make it sound too much like this is the, says the Lord, you know, this is our plan. This is what God's in. This is what we're doing. And then when we change our plans, it's difficult, isn't it? Because we're like, oh, um, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was something else. But, but Paul goes through exactly that. People know that he's planning to visit Corinth on his way back, and suddenly he's not. And that's what we're picking up in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 12 to 24. Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we've conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We've done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. For we do not write to you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that, as you've understood us in part, you'll come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to let you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say yes, yes, and then no, no, but as surely as God is faithful. Our message to you is not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silas, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not, not that we lord it over you, over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. So Paul is appealing to the Corinthians not to see him as fickle, and not to lose confidence, not to give up hope, not to abandon the message that he has proclaimed faithfully to them, the hope of the gospel that he has declared. He says, don't look at me and the fact that my plans have had to change and suddenly be like, well, well then how do we know anything else is true? How can we rely on what you've got to say? We're losing confidence in your message, Paul. We're, we're abandoning what, what you've taught us because, oh, we're not sure anymore. Everything's changing around here. It's not going the way we expected. Now, to us, the change of travel plans of Paul might seem quite a trivial thing. But when things don't go the way we expected, it does trouble us, doesn't it? It does unsettle us. When we have an idea of the way things 
are going to turn out. When we think we know what God is going to do or how a certain situation or even how other people are going to behave in a certain situation. When, when our expectations aren't met, we can find it really troubling. And I know we sang and I know probably most of in this, in this room would say at the end of the day we, we believe it's true that God has never failed us. But for some of us, when we sing that song, there's also a bit of wrestle. Because sometimes we were praying a certain way or we had a certain expectation. And and we know because of what we believe about God that he doesn't fail us. But sometimes it felt like he did. Sometimes it felt like I don't understand what's going on here because when plans change, when things don't go the way we expected, when it turns out it wasn't the way we thought it was, it hurts and it's difficult. It challenges us. And sometimes we just don't understand. But as we've said, Paul doesn't want the Corinthians, the Christians at Corinth, To lose their confidence. And he says in verse 22. He has set his seal of ownership on us. And put his spirit in our hearts. As of deposit. Guaranteeing what is to come. There is a promise of God. There is a destiny for the whole world. Of which we are a part A plan and purpose of God that has been in place from from the beginning, from the creation of the world. For a world full of people living in perfect harmony with the rest of the world and most importantly with God. That when we live in harmony with God, everything else flows from that place. And so God's great amazing plan is for a whole world in perfect harmony with himself. A world full of beauty full of peace, full of justice. A world where there is no problem with, I don't understand how it works. I don't know if there's some kind of Holy Spirit elevator, but there's, there's no problem with the exchange between heaven and earth because heaven and earth become so joined up. You know, it talks in the Bible about new heavens and a new earth, and I, I don't know what, you know, do we flip between the two? Or I don't understand all of that. I just know that God is not just rescuing us from a world and giving up on it, but he's transforming this world. His plan is to have new heavens and a new earth where we all live in perfect harmony with him and his goodness. His love and his his beauty, his grace and his compassion, his holiness. An amazing plan. And and, and Paul says this gospel that the, the Christians have believed, this hope that God will have a people in perfect harmony with himself, and that we have become part of that people through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says, no matter how many times plans might change, no matter how many times things might not go the way you hoped or the way you expected, perhaps you thought you understood something of God and you were certain that things would work out a certain way and you stood on the word and it turns out I didn't understand and I don't know why it hasn't happened and I I don't know why... Things aren't going the way I wanted them to go. But he says, you have got the Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a guarantee of what is to come. A guarantee of what is to come. In in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, Paul is 
comparing the, the old covenant and the new covenant. Um, the, the old covenant, the old agreement by which people tried to come close to God, but people were unable to live faithfully in accordance with that covenant, in accordance with that agreement. And so that's the whole story of the Bible, how God brings us into a new agreement through Jesus Christ, where it all depends on his faithfulness and his righteousness. And he brings us back into relationship with God. And, and Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the glory, the, the wonder, the wow of this new agreement with God is so much greater than anything we ever saw in the Old Testament. This amazing reality of, of us coming into right relationship with God just eclipses any of the great stories of the great heroes of faith. Although we try to learn lessons from those, Actually, the wonder of what he's brought us into in Jesus just like outshines all of that. And Paul's talking about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he goes on to talk about our present weakness. It's like all this talk about this, this, this wonderful covenant, this glorious future, this greater glory, the, the, the wonderful days of the new covenant are here and then suddenly it feels like plans change. It feels like our expectations are, are suddenly lowered somehow because suddenly Paul's talking about present weakness and suffering. And it's not going the way we thought we understood that it should. And so in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 5, Paul says this. 2 Corinthians 5. Verses 1 to 5. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Paul says there's this truth about this greater glory, and yet he acknowledges Sometimes it really doesn't feel like things are moving in the right direction. Sometimes it feels you're, you're so aware of the brokenness and the things not going according to plan. And he says, but what you've got is you've got the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that you will be part of God's ultimate victory. You will be part of God's ultimate victory. And along the way, you may encounter all kinds of twists and turns, all kinds of disappointments, things not going the way you thought they were going to go. And you're going to have to change your plans. You're going to have to reroute. You're going to have to redirect. And some things will seem quite trivial. And some things will slap you in the face and they will sting. And they will hurt. And you'll struggle and you'll wrestle to make sense of it all. But in those moments... He has given us a deposit, a guarantee of what is to come. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee when we are blindsided by 
unexpected twists and turns of life. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee of what we are hoping for. Now, I don't know how many of you here remember checkbooks. Yeah, I know this is becoming a little bit of a generational divide. They were these things, okay? They had paper in them. Uh, and we used to write on them when we wanted to tell someone that we were going to give them money, but we didn't have any cash on us, okay? It seems like a crazy system. Why would anyone trust that? And of course, the problem with this check is why would you trust it? Because all you had was the piece of writing that if you present this, the money will go out of my bank account into your bank account. And because obviously not everyone is entirely honest, and sometimes people might write a check knowing that, or maybe they didn't know, let's think the best, um, that they didn't actually have any money in their bank account. And so the banks came up with a check guarantee card. Okay? Now the check guarantee card was a piece of plastic before there were any kind of like chip and pin terminals. You couldn't, like, it didn't take it straight out. What the, the, the check guarantee card did, if the bank said, up to a certain amount, I mean, this, this tells you something. When they first came out, they were only for 50 quid. Yeah? And that was a lot of money. It was like, why would I ever need to spend more than 50 pounds? In fact, I don't know if you can see this. I found this interesting. The picture that Mike, who, who didn't know, Mike who does the, the media, he didn't know what a check guarantee card was, but he found the picture. And... And I noticed on the check, it says British gas, 27 pounds. I mean, when do you ever pay an energy company only 27 pounds? <laughs> put a couple of zeros on the end of that. So, so you would have this card, and that told whoever you were making the payment to that the bank guaranteed. It didn't matter what your word was like. It didn't matter... What, you know, whether they trusted you or not, because when they saw the check guarantee card, they had the guarantee from the bank that up to this amount, this will be paid and you will receive the money. You get it? Yeah, yeah. check guarantee card. What exactly then does the Holy Spirit guarantee for us? So the check guarantee card with, you know, that, that, that £27 check, they've guaranteed British gas, you are going to get paid. doesn't matter if you've looked at Richard's finances and you think there's no way that this check is going to clear. Um, no, we're guaranteeing as a bank it's going to be paid. What does the Holy Spirit guarantee for you? What does he guarantee in my life and in yours? Well, let's have a quick look together at Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to read Ephesians 1, 11 to 23. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Now, predestination people, come back with me. Don't go off down that rabbit hole. It's not what this <laughs> message is about in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation when you believed. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because of that, presumably, because the Holy Spirit is in you as a deposit, as a guarantee. 
He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. So three things, I'm sure there are more things, but three things this morning um, that the Holy Spirit guarantees in your life. Okay? I'm not saying you should think of the Holy Spirit as a plastic card in your wallet, but if it helps you to think of him as a check guarantee card in a holy, righteous kind of way, then if the illustration helps, then use it. The Holy Spirit firstly guarantees our identity as children of God. Verse 14 in Ephesians 1 said, he's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. The Holy Spirit is like a stamp of ownership on your life. When God breathes the Holy Spirit into your life, when you take that step of giving your life to Jesus, when you turn away from living life your own way and you turn towards Jesus and you put your faith in him, the Bible teaches us that something actually happens, that we're born again, as it were, by the Spirit of God, that God comes into us and fills us and transforms us and and something so powerful happens in that moment. And part of what he's doing is, as this is going on spiritually, as we are becoming a new person, born again, we get a new identity. And it's like God cries out over your life, mine, you belong to me. You belong to me now. You are my possession. You have become my children. We have an inheritance. Why? Because we have a father. And sometimes we we get excited, and rightly so, thinking about the inheritance. But let's not skip the part that the reason we have an inheritance is because we have a father. A father who treasures us. Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. Romans 8, 14 to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. 
The Spirit testifies with your spirit that you are a child of God. Just like we heard Esther come out and share this morning. And she was feeling overwhelmed. And, and, and she reminded herself from the word of God. And she started to declare. Do you remember what she said? She said, and I told myself, you are loved. You are loved. The Holy Spirit witnesses to you that no matter what else goes on in your life, no matter what unexpected twists and turns life may take you down, nothing is going to change the fact that you are a child of God. He stamped his seal of ownership on you. He's cried, you're mine. You belong to me. I love you. I am your father. Nothing's ever going to change that. And of course, the whole difference between the Holy Spirit and a check guarantee card is a check guarantee card, you just kind of, it, it stays put away in your wallet. Well, it doesn't anymore. It's gone now. Thing of the past. But, but it stayed put away in your wallet until you needed it. But the thing about the Holy Spirit guarantee is he's a person who you get to know, who you have a relationship with. So it's not like you just need to get him out of your wallet whenever you need him, but he's constantly there. If we will develop and cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will be forever hearing him say, you're a child of God. Guaranteed. Nothing is going to take that away from you. No matter how many times your prayers are not answered, no matter how many times you thought you heard God, you stepped out in faith, and then everybody saw that you got it wrong. No matter how many times you tried to prophesy and it didn't quite happen. No matter how many times you tried to step out in a big project and everyone was watching and nothing came of it. No matter what has gone on in your life, nothing can change the fact that you are a child of God. Nothing's going to take that away. Your failures do not define who you are. No matter how many times you failed, your failure does not define who you are. The most important thing about you is that you are a child of God. And everything about your future, everything about your destiny, everything about what you do or don't have the right to expect in your life ultimately comes down to you are a child of God and you belong to him. He guarantees, he guarantees that whatever happens, God is your father and he loves you. Secondly, the Holy Spirit guarantees your identity as a co-heir with Jesus Christ. As a co-heir with Jesus Christ. In verse 13, it said, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. I preached a message um, here last week. It's available um, online if you were either in Stockport or you weren't here last week and, and you want to hear that um, about Jesus being in us because this is, this is just such an amazing truth, isn't it, of, of the Holy Spirit being in us. That, that you know, The Holy Spirit and Jesus, yes, they're two distinct persons, but they're both God. And so the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Jesus. And so when God comes to be inside of us by the Holy Spirit. Not a figurative presence, but an actual, real presence of God inside us by His Spirit. Then Jesus is in us. And so the Holy Spirit manifests the life of Jesus in our lives. We've been included in Him. We've become bound up with Him. 
And the Holy Spirit makes Jesus known in our lives. And so in verse 23, it said, The church is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Because when I say the church, I don't mean the organization, I mean you. You, when we're all together as the people of God, people start to see something of the fullness of who Jesus is in his people. Because the Holy Spirit makes Jesus known and manifest in our lives. And Romans 8.29 tells us that Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so it was, it was never going to just stop with Jesus, but that God was going to take what he'd begun to make known in Jesus and make that known through all of his children. So Jesus becomes the oldest brother in a massive family of brothers and sisters. And because we are brothers and sisters with Jesus, everything that is Christ's inheritance is now also our inheritance. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit guarantees that you are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit That stamp of approval, that stamp of acceptance, that seal that God has placed on your life, not only says you belong to God the Father, but but consequentially, you are a brother or sister, a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes when life changes, when, when plans change, when things seemingly go wrong, when it's not the answer we were praying for, I loved what Doris shared earlier. Sometimes, you know, she said, oh, sometimes God says, wait. And I thought, is she going to say it? Is she going to dare to say it? Sometimes God says no. And she did. Because that's the reality, isn't it? Sometimes God says no. And sometimes we wish he didn't. And we don't understand why he did. Because we thought we understood how it worked. And we thought he was supposed to say yes to that. But whatever happens, Jesus is going to get his inheritance. Now, think about it logically. If you are a co-heir with Jesus, and Jesus is definitely getting the inheritance, and you're a co-heir, if he's getting his inheritance, you're getting yours. See, your inheritance does not depend on your performance. Your inheritance depends on what he has done, on what he has accomplished. There is no doubt in my mind. I have all kinds of doubts about my abilities. I have all kinds of doubts about, have I heard you right, God? Is this what you're calling us to do? Is this how we're going to do it? Is this going to happen by this time? Am I going to look stupid? And You know, we all have all those kind of things going on in our heads. But I have no doubt that Jesus is going to get his inheritance. And I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee. Not just like a card that I can get out of my wallet when I need it, but a person with whom I can have a relationship who, if I will allow him to, will constantly remind me every single day of my life, you are a child of God and you are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Whatever happens, Jesus is your brother. Thirdly then, the Holy Spirit guarantees your authority as an heir of the kingdom. 
You see, God empowers us to be part of his plan. Paul said in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Because we are heirs, we have authority. Not because someone gave us a position in the church. Not because someone gave us a job. Not because, I know in your, you know, if you work in a secular company, I know the authority, the power you have is, is based on the position that someone gave you in that organization. But you see, our authority, our spiritual authority isn't based on titles or positions. But it's just the fact that you're an heir of the kingdom. You're an heir of this kingdom. This rule and reign of God. This, this beautiful harmony where everything is the way God intends it to be. In perfect harmony with his love and his justice and his holiness. And This is your destiny. This is your inheritance. And the reason you have the right to pray into that and declare that and proclaim that and come against all that resists that, the reason for that is because you're an heir of that kingdom. It's not based on how good your performance has been so far. It's not based on how many of your plans proved true. It's not based on how many times you were able to get up and say, God's going to do this, and then it all happened exactly how you said, and, and so now everyone thinks of you as a really powerful spiritual person. And then we turn them into a spiritual celebrity, and then they make a mistake, so we trash them, and we pull them down, and we're disappointed. Because we're starting to take our eyes off of God and place them onto men and women. But our authority isn't based on how much we can puff out our chest or speak with an authoritative tone. How much we can jump up and down and scream at the devil. Our authority is based on who we are in God. Heirs of his kingdom. And your authority is guaranteed because the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that you're a child of God and a co-heir with Jesus Christ. In Acts 1, verses 7 to 8, the disciples, they, they were just like confused because Jesus was telling them that they're going to have the Holy Spirit. And, and so they're like, so they want details. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? They ask Jesus. They want to know the plan. They want to know how it works out. And Jesus turns their attention away from the details. Sometimes we think we know what's going to happen. And the opposite happens. And we're discouraged. Sometimes we think we know the plan. We think we know, wow, we've got it now. We know how to change things now. We're going to have a church in the home and... Oh, actually, now it's all about connect. Uh, oh, now it's all about huddles. Um, and sometimes, or, you know, it might not be to do with the way we do church together. It may be something going on in your individual personal life. And you think, you know, oh, now I know what God has said. Ah, oh, I've made sense of it now. It's okay. I've come to terms with all that disappointment because now I understand God's going to do this through this current job that I've got. And then that doesn't happen either. The Holy Spirit. It's your deposit, your guarantee that you are a child of God. You are a co-heir 
with Jesus Christ. And your authority does not depend on how many times you've successfully prayed for anything. Your authority does not depend on how many times you've been right or how many times you've been disappointed, how many times plans have changed, how many times things didn't go the way you wanted or the way you expected or the way you thought you understood. It doesn't depend on any of that. Your authority depends on the fact the Holy Spirit says to you, you belong to me. You're a child of God. God is your father. Jesus is your brother. You are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And Jesus is going to get his inheritance. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit. We don't just want this to be truth that we heard about. We want this to be truth that you cause to go deep into our hearts and that because you are in us you cause us you, you help us to live in the reality of that truth each and every day Amen. we thank you for this incredible truth that we are children of God that Holy Spirit you enable us to cry out Abba Father I am a child of God failure does not define me Amen. failure does not define me my mistakes do not define me. No matter how many times I've been disappointed, that does not define me. My hope and my trust is in who you say that I am as a child of God and a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And therefore, I give myself to, to carrying on stepping out courageously, boldly, speaking the truth based on who you say I am. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.